It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. Ah, This is such a dream come true, and I am so excited to be here today with... Tasha Cooney, welcome. Uh, she's a author, speaker, coach, and filmmaker. Tasha has a unique background serving clients all over the globe through transformational media content, helping businesses reach millions and make millions. Who out there wants to make a million? <laughs> Tasha, I do. Tasha is the author of The Miracle Manifesto, a testament of 200 documented miracles from her own life through which she teaches others her process in creating the in creating thoughts to tangible reality. Tasha helps her clients reconnect back to their divine gifts, speaking life back into those who have forgotten. And here's a beautiful quote about Tasha from Les Brown, who's a motivational speaker and author. He said, when Tasha speaks, angels flap their wings. Well, I think you are an angel here with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Welcome, everyone, and, and thank you for tuning in, and thank you for having me here, Sarah. It's, the work that you do is amazing and much, much needed with support with, with women, and I'm very appreciative to be part of this with everyone. That is so cool, the uh, background you have. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite vast. I, I joke a lot when people ask me, what do I do? And, and I say, well, I transcend all departments. So I'm kind of a, a, a jack of all trades as, as a woman, but, um, or, or a woe man, I'd like to say. Um, I, I really, you know, my core work too is to, to speak life 
back into those who have forgotten. And, you know, a lot of times I even forget. And I love to touch, move, and inspire people through my work and help people share their message and their beauty and their authenticity. Um, I also, this weekend, I which is not included on my list, I did a sexy photo shoot for my friend's wife. So she got a little revealing. We got, we got a little nude and naked. And I took some amazing sexy photos. And it just... At, at the end of the wedding that night, she came to me and me, her and her husband were, were just crying. And she said, you know, Tasha, you made my wedding. Thank you so much for, for letting me express in that space and, and helping her out and helping her come up with sexy poses. So <laughs> I, I, I also do that, but that is, uh, it's just my gift to, to reflect back to people their, their beauty. Ah, and that is so beautiful of you. I mean, and that just shows your inner beauty and all the, everything that you have inside that you're able to reflect to others. So thank you for being here and for, for sharing all of this with us. I am really excited. What, can you tell me about the Miracle Manifesto? I'm really curious. <laughs> That's, well, thank you for asking. So, um, as far as I can remember, being a little child, I, I had this, this, I grew up with a manic depressive mother. Um, I think we all are manic depressive in some sort of way. It's how we just manage, you know, it's how we manage our emotions. And um, there were times where my mother really physically and mentally abused me, tried to throw me over a bridge from my perspective as being a child then. I thought she was trying to kill me. And it, it was it was a battle with my mom and, and gaining love for my mom and gaining respect and, and trying to look up to the feminine, which which made me turn to the masculine. So I have a lot of masculine qualities. But um, with that, I I did a test to, to God one day and and I said, you know, if my mom is is such this this devil at home, God, and and we're at church and, and you're making things happen, then make something happen for me. I, I want something for Christmas. And I'm going to lie to my mom and not tell her what I want for Christmas. And I'm going to lie when I sit on Santa's lap. But God, this is what I want. And it was a, a marriage canon Barbie doll set. And they, they both came in the package and they had the gown and, and the, the tux on. And Previously, me and my mom were at Toys R Us and we couldn't buy it. I wanted to buy it. She said, we don't have enough money for that. And she pointed down to the lower shelf of the Barbie dolls, which were plastic and hollow. And she said, you can have one of those. And in my mind, I said, no, I don't want one of those. I don't want to settle. I walked out of Toys R Us. But something was interesting was I walked out of Toys R Us and I was at five at this time, walked out of Toys R Us, not with the Barbies physically, but mentally. So I was playing with them mentally every day, every day, every day, and just hanging out with them. And I had this idea, okay, let me test God. God, if you're real, then you're going to give me these Barbies for Christmas. So I lie to Santa. When Santa comes along, I sit in his lap and I'm like, I just want a pair of underwear. My mom asked me what I want. And yeah, I tell her the same thing. And Christmas time's coming, and I, I remember just praying religiously every night. And it, it could be a prayer or a talk or just, just something within talking to myself and my higher power, God, whatever you want to call it. And I would, I would tell God, and I would say, look, this is going to be under the tree. I want this. I used to cuss a lot and grew up with a cussing family. The night before Christmas, I had a really long talk. I wake up in the morning and I scan the Christmas tree of this package because I know what the package looks like. And I don't see it. 
and I'm getting a little frustrated because it's probably about two and a half, three months that I'm, I've been planning this, right? And, and I've been at church. My mom was a Sunday school teacher at church too. And I was like, why is she such an angel here? But then at home, she wants to abuse me. So here I am looking under the tree. I don't see it. My mom comes in and or she doesn't come in yet. So then I say, well, okay, let me open them. So I start to open them all, and maybe it's in the package. It wasn't in the package. It wasn't anywhere in any of the packages. Then I'm a little sad. My mom comes in, and I see my mom look at me, and I just feel her kind of sadness. And I turn over, and she's like, what's wrong? You don't like any of the, the presents under the tree? And looking back, it's, it's probably because she, she bought them all, and she spent a lot of money, and I, I really wasn't caring about them. And at that moment, I saw her sadness, and I always, how shall I say, I always disconnected myself from my emotions to cater to her to make her feel good so I just totally forgot about me and I said you know what my mom wants me to feel good about this right now so you know what god it's, it's okay I don't have these let me just go play with these and then I, I said to myself I had this realization well you know what I don't have the Barbies here physically but I've been playing with them I, I have them I have them and this is a really strange concept because, you know, we, we typically start to connect to these kind of things later on in life and not realize them at such a young age. Um, I mean, a lot of us do. Uh, we just don't talk about it or really understand it, some of us maybe. So I'm sitting there under the tree realizing, okay, this is fine. Well, I forget about it. I would say, I don't know, maybe three, four months later, I'm not sure what the timeline is, but we're traveling around in neighborhoods that are throwing away stuff and it's like spring cleaning or some, some sort of cleaning of some sort and we're going through garbage in this middle-class neighborhood. And we drive up to the first house and I'm in the, the car sitting there and I'm like, why, why are we going through garbage? My mom gets out, my stepfather gets out, they're throwing stuff in the trunk. She's like, oh my gosh, you've got towels for the house. And, and I'm, I'm too good for this. I'm like, what is this? I'm not going through trash. I should be in somebody's house eating with the family right now, not going through the trash. We go up about three or four houses. And finally, I just kind of get interested and, and I'm looking and I'm seeing and I, I see a Barbie doll box from afar. And I'm like, I know what that looks like. Some obsessed with Barbies, and it was it, it was a Barbie doll box case that you buy and put Barbies in. So I jumped out of the car and I ran up there, and it was Malibu Barbie on the front with a surfboard. And now I live in Venice, California, which I live right next to Malibu. This this happened over in upstate New York, and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, look, it's this case. I open it up, and it's the marriage Canon Barbie with their clothes on, and it's used. And my mom just pushes me because she has no idea. I mean, she, we saw this at the store, you know, months, months ago. And, and I mean, it could even be a year. I really am not sure with the timeline on that. And she pushes me. She says, oh, great. You've got Barbies. And I just, I just looked up and I started crying. And I, it, like tears just came out like, wow, wow. You know, is, is, it, is, it, this, is it this easy to, to have this faith? And, and at that moment, I realized like, this woman of a devil and what she is at this moment, my mom is, is my best friend today. We went through a lot of healing and um, in and out of mental institutions for, for majority of her life. And uh, it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty heartbreaking, but now we, we laugh about it and uh, her throwing me over the bridge, it's water under the bridge and we joke about it. And at some point in life, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll talk about it openly. Like, you know, mom, why, why did you try to kill me? Or mom, why did you do this? But at that moment, I realized that nothing she did to me could affect me and that I owned my own space and my own 
thoughts, my own energy, and I could create what I wanted, even though it wasn't here in, in this physical reality. And uh, it's, it's tough to, to, it's tough to stick with that practice and, and that, that, uh, that there, because I, I see it as a, as a moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment practice. And the Miracle Manifesto is the context of the story is it opens up with that story and it goes into my mom being an angel and a goddess. And I think it was, um, it was about two years ago, I saw myself and I said, you know what? I was breaking into my feminine power and releasing it and, you know, trying to, to balance out the masculine. And I, I saw myself as a goddess and I really embraced that. And once I was able to see myself as that, like, I then could tell my mother she was a goddess and I was able to release her of so much trauma and help her work through a lot of things. And then I said to myself, you know, if, if I would have saw myself as that before, I could have helped my mother heal some of those things much sooner. So that's the, the beginning of that. And then the, the 200 stories are documentations of things that I've been collecting throughout the years. And there's a secret too, because some of the stuff in the book is actually happening now that'll be in the book um, when, when people open it up and I just gave away the surprise. But it's, it's examples, how my thoughts become to reality, what I went through during that time, what I was thinking. And then there's exercises in the journal that will help people see that kind of situation that happened to me in their life and apply it to their life. It's not really a specific step-by-step -step guide because there's, there's just so many things and I, I've not figured out the universe, but uh, it's, it's definitely an inspiration and a guide for those who want to start on that path to this, this abundance of, you know, what's available when, when we, we stick with our with our flow and we stay in there even when we're not in flow just acknowledging that and, and being in that awareness wow Josh, that is such a powerful story thank you for sharing that Thanks. and what i really felt so strongly is how how willing you were to go there with your mother because that can be the most difficult person like the people closest to us can be the ones that are the most difficult ones to actually find healing with because there's just such such deep triggers there such deep wounding and it's really admirable of you that you have chosen to go there with your mother wow thank you yeah it, my mom is bless her heart. Uh, I, I feel that it was my purpose to be here to help her and to her help me and for her to show me the vulnerability of uh, the dark feminine side and, and even the masculine and, and to show me like, you know, what happens if I do allow myself to go crazy? What happens if, you know, what, you know, now I, I could see myself not having a midlife crisis at age 50, but my mom is, is such a gift and, and yes there's so much healing and I think so many like I talked to one woman she was like maybe 60 something and I was at this event because I film a lot of events and I remember talking about my mom and she's like well I'll never talk to my mom she owes me an apology and I'm like, whoa, I was like, you know and it's not my place to speak that but at the same time it's like when um 
I'll bring bring this up quick. A lot of the healing with my mom was was many years, but one day when I was 16 years old, I was tripping on mushrooms, and I came home after a big trip, and I'm trying to get in the house. It's 2 a.m. My mom's got the door locked, and bless her heart, she's like, oh, it's Tasha. I get Tasha time, right? I'm up, and so she's watching Cat's Eyes, this scary movie, and she she opens the door. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? I was like, mom, why, why are you up? You know, I'm a little scared. I don't want to see mom. And she's like, come sit down on the couch. Mm-hmm. And at this, this moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch a movie with my mom. I mean, this is weird because, you know, you're in the teenage rebellion years and we're sitting there and, and I just turn and I look at her and she's smiling and looking at the, the TV. And, and I realized like my mom is this innocent child that has not been given the space to grow up. She was born in a, 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 the, the youngest of six in a Catholic family, and my grandfather mentally, physically abused uh, my grandmother, and she was the only one left there to witness that. She was in a snowmobile accident at the age of 14, and she died for two minutes, went somewhere, God knows where, brought back tons of gifts. But when she woke up from this coma, the uh, a part of her family that she was on the snowmobile with was telling her, you were on the red snowmobile, not the yellow snowmobile, Cindy. And that was because of insurance reasons. If she would have said she was on the real snowmobile, then she would have been set for life with insurance. And this is our own family, uh, the, the Italian side that hates my Irish grandfather, who's the alcoholic. But you imagine this woman's growing up in, up in this and she gets into this traumatic accident and then she's able to see truth and to see things and starts experimenting with uh, psychedelics and you know speaks the truth and people are so afraid of her truth that they lock her away in mental institutions and they just continue to lock her away and you know then she gets stuck on on medications and, and nobody wants to listen to her and you know, she's a very powerful healer. Um, I, I believe she's a she's a shaman. She's not experienced the, the training of it, but I guess what more can you have than that kind of life training that she has? But being able to see her on that couch that night of like this innocent child who was never given the space to express herself and was always suppressed her truth. How can I blame her for just taking the same patterns and, and whipping it on me? right? Because that's all she knew. And that's the only way she knows how to express herself. So I really saw this deep truth at that moment. And I'm just like, holy crap, I can never, and and I don't feel bad for her, but I I never could get mad at her again. And I could just meet her where her level's at and and help raise her. And of course she, she does me too. She's a very wise woman. It's just knowing that conditioning and being aware of it. And, um, you know, I got a lot of conditioning from my mom, too, to, to speak about femininity. And when I think it was about probably about six, my mom was walking around the trailer park with her bathing suit on and her vagina was half sticking out. She was in high heels and she was wanting sex, sex, sex. And she was just she hadn't slept in like two weeks and we were trying to get her help and we couldn't. And I was just so ashamed to see my mom like this, you know, I was like, this is my mom, like, what is, and then I, I remember saying to myself, when I'm, go- I've been recently clearing a lot of things up from my childhood the past like 10 years, and I go back and I see, if that's a woman, I don't want to be one, mm-hmm. and then I totally turned into a tomboy, and that also led me to not want to express myself or my femininity with dresses and feel sexy and seeing that, that it was tied to a lot of those traumatic experiences about not wanting to be my mother and represent that, I 
released it. I was able to, to see that and, and heal it. So I'm, I'm working on that still. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, and if there's, if there's any women out there that, that feel called, you know, go ahead and, you know, Facebook message me there in the group and I'd be more than willing to share or give inspiration for, you know, what, what you ladies might be going through with, with mothers. And it, it was definitely a crazy journey. And my mom was very jealous of me as well. Very, very jealous. Uh, I looked just like my father and that represented to her what she couldn't have because so, so I feel she seduced him to try to keep him. And then I was born and then I was used as a weapon and I didn't meet my father till I was the age nine. So that was, that was her weapon of choice for, for many, many years. So much there. So as you've gone through all of this, what do, what do you see as in femininity now? What does it mean to you as Tasha today? Wow. You know, full expression of myself, of my divinity, of my essence, my, my caring, my vulnerability uh, to be soft, to be vocal, to be heard, to even respect and honor that, and uh, to, to create a, a space for that as well with my surroundings in my life. And, and I'll just, an example, I've just had a narcissistic guy friend that I was in love with for like the last seven months and it was really traumatic for me because, and I, I think I have so much training, you know, this is ongoing, you know, moment to moment for, for the rest of my life to keep on point with it. But it brought me down to like just my knees and crying. And, and I actually just hired a, psycho, a psychologist coach because I had to get past this. And um, anyway, I would try to be vocal and I would try to share myself, my, my feminine essence of it, the way that I speak and the way that I share my stories. And I was just cut down. Like, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear it. You know? And, and I just learned that he was uh, uh, emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. and that's okay. But it's my responsibility as well to, to be able to, to cultivate that space. Mm-hmm. And if I can't cultivate it around him, not necessarily, you know, kick him out of my life, but okay, let's, let's try strategically, maybe something else. Maybe he has to learn something. Maybe I have to ask questions. Maybe I have to, you know, be some sort of guide. And, um, you know, I think women are really core foundation for the emotional and feminine, the, the emotion aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I think to hold that ground in, in all, you know, in all paths of, of war, it doesn't matter. You know, we're, we're here to hold that stability. So many of us have been caught in that, it, that trap with uh, someone that's a narcissist. And, you know, I do think that it's, it can be pretty trendy right now to say like, oh, my ex is a, nar- a narcissist, right? But like there are legitimate narcissists out there and it can be a real, real struggle to get out of those relationships. And the ones that are truly narcissists they're good. Like they know what they're doing and they know how to hook in, how to get their hooks in, how to get you under their control. They're so good at manipulating. They're so good at the, you know, just faking it at the beginning. And so like, I know a lot of women and there are men that go through experiences with female narcissists as well. So this isn't just women that go through it, but I know so many people that 
find themselves in a situation like that and then they blame themselves like how could I have not seen how did I stay in that for so long why could I not get out and like I mean I definitely have seen very strong empowered people get sucked under in that type of relationship and so you know if you're out there listening to this and you've gotten in that type of situation yourself like just know like it's it's really not your fault and but the more you can educate yourself around narcissist narcissism the more that you can like really learn to look for the signs before you get in it with somebody because there seems to be a lot of them out there um i know for myself like i've done a lot of education around narcissism so i can be on the lookout for it and not get sucked into that wow it's powerful. Yeah. I've just, I've just learned, I've just learned that. And now I've, I'm creating boundaries and that's it. Like my boundary is my boundary. So, you know, it's, 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 I wrote a poem once. Now I should practice what I write, but it was like, you can walk with me or you walk away. Like that's my boundary. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's great. So have you done work with like sacred sexuality and empowering yourself in that way in your life? You know, I, I have more in an intuitive kind of manner myself, but I've not gone out and sought after uh, books or read much about it. I did have a, a woman coach that worked with me with uh, dancing and releasing my energy. So I do dances and little little yoga things and things to express myself. Like I'll do dancing and singing is a really big one for me. And I love releasing that energy through that form. And something big that she taught me was not to take, not to do too much of it because it releases a lot of energy, but just really just let go and flow for five to 10 minutes with your body. And, and it's kind of a meditative, like sexy dance or however. So that kind of stuff I've, I've worked with. And then also just as it regard, as regard to, to sexual and sex, I'm very intuitive and I'm very in tune and I'm very like, I can feel I can feel everything in there. And it's like, like when the man comes, it's like, that's what makes me come. And so if that's some sort of sexual practice, uh, that's, that's definitely in there. It, and it could get, it could get better. Um, what I'm looking to do is what I'm working on is balance out my masculine and, and my feminine. I really, I take charge a lot and I really have a lot of, I have a lot of masculine energy and it, sometimes that gets overwhelming. And I think to some men, I, I get intimidating and I push them away because I, I don't allow them to do for me. Um, you know, I don't let my guard down and I'm constantly in the, the action, go, go, go man mode and, uh, and my masculine. So that's, that's that's as far as as that goes i will say that as a businesswoman it is incredible i have absolutely loved uh working with you and getting to know you and just it's been um, a huge just joy uh on the business side of things like as a leader you shine. You're so incredible. And, you know, I hear what you're saying and 
there definitely is like the softening into the feminine that uh, can be so beautiful and so attractive and something that men uh, can really desire to, to feel in a woman. And I, and I can understand why, because like femininity is such a beautiful quality for women to have. Uh, and I also like to challenge men, uh, you know, in this day and age to like, when they, when they meet a woman that really does embody these, these qualities of how can they rise even more? Like how can a man mm -hmm. even rise beyond that to, to meet you in that space rather than to be turned off or to be, um, you know, somehow intimidated by you. So I think that there's multiple ways that we can, we can look at this and go about it. And I do see too, like with masculinity and femininity kind of where it is that there are a lot of women embodying more of these, um, what we would consider masculine traits. And men are now like some starting to embody what we would consider more feminine traits. And so in relationship, we do need a polarity in order mm -hmm. to like really thrive sexually and have that, that uh, attraction. And so like, I think that there, there is, you know, some sort of, there is biology at play here as well. So it's not necessarily like just all our conscious thought. There is like biology. It's like, okay, well, you know, polarities, opposites attract kind of thing. But, you know, it's something that I think is a dance that we can all play with. And, and even when I see women that are just crushing it in business, it's so beautiful when they can then transition uh, in when they're with their partner and like show their partner uh, a softer side, the more sexual side, the flirty side, you know, and like learn how to develop those, even if it's just for their partner and like nobody else sees that side of them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I tell my friend. My friend's like, you're not going to meet a man if you're not out there like dressed like that. And I was like, well, I'm going to save the sexy time for him. Like nothing's wrong with being sexy. And I think I'm still healing some things with my mom, you know, from, from growing up, but I, you really blew my mind with saying like rise to, to meet me. And that's, that's that you just gave me some permission that I'm really going to be thinking about because, you know, I had it wrong. Like, Oh, don't you have to change or you have to be a certain way to, you know, no, like, right. You know, rise to meet me. This is me, right? This is me. And, and this is who I like to build as me. This is who I like to work on. Yeah, I can work on those things too. And we have a commitment and we talk about it, but <laughs> we're not talking about it right now. So, you know, when we talk about it, we can make an agreement. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love, you know, I love the feminine and sexy side. And I, like, I really love that. And I, I, I try, I try to get into it more often in, in that play and give myself permission of that. But I, I will be honest, like, I am like in full, like always work mode. It's like, what, what can I create? What can I create? And then I take time out for my daydreaming, my little meditations, my journaling, my audios. And then the rest of it is just like create, video edit, film, clients, do this, do that. And that I creative do. energy, like that creative <laughs> energy is feminine energy, right? Like we are ah. creators of life. And so like, I would say that that is feminine energy, your creative aspect of you. Oh, there we go. Okay. Thank you. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I do do a lot of the create and I think a lot too. So I'm always thinking and then strategizing and I'll, I'll think probably three times more than I actually will work on it. And then it comes to creation. Yeah, I actually, I, I taught a course with Omru Pani about a year ago, and he's a BDSM uh, and dominance teacher. And so we were teaching course to men. And this is one of the things that we were telling the men because so many men are, you know, complaining about women, you know, being in their masculine now. And it's like, and I, and I understand their, their point of view, like, because like I said, there's so much beauty and like that female essence uh, and they just want that. But like, what was what Ohm, even Ohm was saying to the guys as well? Like, don't complain. What are you going to do about it? Rise up, make yourself stronger, make yourself more empowered. Like if, if women keep rising up, men, you keep rising as well. And I think that there is uh, definitely a, a challenge there for, for the guys out there. <laughs> I, I, li- I like that. I like that, you know, meeting them, meeting together, both rising together. That's that's, and also to lead into your question with healing for, for femi- femininity and masculine and you know, men, women, or just, just the energies, I think to, you know, the healing aspect, what was the question? What, what can feminine and Yeah, like masculine- what areas do you see that uh, feminine, like the masculine and the feminine can heal? I, I think complete vulnerability and from my own personal experiences and when I take the masculine man and the feminine woman complete vulnerability and opening up and and really just listening and in taking in not anything personal and just really listening and agreeing to listen and there's no right or wrong. It's just, this is how I feel. This is what it is. Okay, now how can we move forward? How can we create from that space? That's what you like. This is what I like. This is your boundary. That's your boundary. Okay, so how can we, we heal that? How can we grow from that? And with, with no judgment whatsoever and with unconditional love, unconditional love, very un- which is just pure. So I think that's that's a really big space to heal from. And it's a big commitment too, because there's a lot of past traumas that people are trying to get past. And society says something this way, something's that way, and so on and so forth. I get uh, frustrated with my friend a lot, or he gets frustrated with me because he says, no, that's wrong. And I said, look, if you put 50 people in a room and they say it's wrong, and then another 50 in the room and they say it's right, like who's right and who's wrong? I said, you know, it just, you're not going to win at that game. And then we don't talk for two days and I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, like I, you know, how can I heal that? I heal it by just allowing him to just show up. And then I just show up as I am. And I don't take things personally. And previously, you know, I would, it's like, well, somebody's, I now look at this and this might not even be answering the question, but if my friend is lashing out on me and he's saying hateful things, I literally just listen and I honor that. And I say, you know what? I am a space right now, a vessel for him to release something that he can't grasp or he can't understand. He doesn't know how to articulate. So I'm just going to let it go. And then I'm just going to push it away. And yeah, I might feel sad for a second or something, but you know what? It's not personal. It's like, I'll transcend that or transform that energy into something else. And 
truly be committed to that outcome and let it go. Don't bring it up later. Don't use it against somebody. It's just in that space, in that moment, being an open vessel of vulnerability to allow them to express themselves in whatever manner that is. And does that mean like, oh, have somebody abuse me and, you know, hurt me? No, it's like, you know where you stand, you know where your boundaries are, you know your strength, you know, you know if it's, you know, you should get out of there or not. But, you know, being in that space of vulnerability and unconditional love, I think is a really big healing. Yeah, love is the great healer. Yeah. It really is. And uh, I think coming back to self-love over and over really is the key for both men and women to to heal these aspects of themselves because when we truly love ourselves then we can really balance all of these aspects of ourselves and we can know when we're more empowered to to be more in our feminine when we're more empowered to be more in our masculine and I like to look at it as like kind of a, a game that I can play. Like I see like, okay, so in this situation, like this is going to, to be the, the better role that I play, I guess you can look at it that way or like just tapping into these qualities right now is, is going to serve me better. And like, just kind of looking at my life almost from a bird's eye perspective of like, okay, so I've got, all of these qualities and I get to pick and choose like which one uh which one am I going to play with right now which which outfit do I get to put on today and like (laughs) letting it be um just kind of even a fun thing Uh, I love working with identities you know and like Mm -hmm. the masculine identity the feminine identity and uh, that's that's one of the things through Tantra that I've really learned how to develop is like these different identities that I get to try on and get to play with and show up in the world as. And it's like, you know, it's really interesting how the world shifts too based on what you're projecting, what you're putting out there. It's almost silly, actually, because <laughs> like, you know, I can put on um, like a little costume, like a little, you know, sub costume that I would wear, like if I was with the, my dominant that I'm working with, right? And like the world's gonna look at me this way. Or like I can put on like a soccer mom costume and the world's gonna look at me that way, right? But it's like, I'm still the same person, <laughs> no matter what. But it's so silly how like, you can just be like show up in these different ways and get all these different opinions about you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I love how you, how you laid that out. That's so cute. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Like when you start to just kind of like see it and play with it, it's like, okay, you know, this is, this is the world we live in. And it's like, but it's all me. It's all my truth. It's all my authenticity. It's all my inner reality. And it's not that I'm faking any of it. Like it's all me. And then I'm just like, all right, I want to pick this part right now. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And it's, it's so easy to, when you, and it's a good kind of go-to when you get in a space where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't stand the day. Well, go, you know, go try one of those characters. Let me go be soccer mom today. Let me go hang out in that energy. 
<laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> oh god. So, all right. When you look at feminist movement, like where we've come from the 60s and 70s and where we are now, what do you see? What do you love? What do you hate? What do you hope we are moving towards in the future? Like, what would you love this next wave of feminism to look like? I will, you know, I I will be honest. And I... I feel like it should be a certain way, but I feel, and I can't speak for any, everybody. I get upset. I was at a, let me say, I was at a, an event at one point and we were talking about filmmaking. And then all of a sudden, one of the panelists came in and all of a sudden started interviewing me, which was supposed to be about me being a filmmaker, a director. And I was the only, I think, woman on the panel or other than she was a woman. And then she said, you know, how horrible is it, you know, for, for women in the workplace and how often do you get shamed and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what do you mean? And then I know as a, as a society, these are issues and, and, and we need to come up to them. But I feel when you're coming from that space of this victim of this, you know, oh, shame, what, you know, what are we going to do? You know, like that's not being proactive. That's not being solution-based. That's being like, it's it's very it's very victim victimy and I I just really got triggered and I was like wait a second like I'm a fucking strong woman like I'm a well man like I've been in this industry for like 20 years I've been working around guys I don't see myself any different like that's a person I'm a person like and if a guy gets mad at me in the workplace I'm just gonna step over him am I gonna step over him because he's a man no I'm gonna step over him because he's a human and he's not doing the job right I'm just gonna I'm gonna work circles around him and I usually work circles around the guys and the guys hate me for it they try to get me fired but I ignore it all because you know what that'll happen with a woman too Hmm. so it's like it's this you know, we're, we're, we're shifting it like, oh, it's, you know, you know, and I know there's a lot of equal rights with women, but I, but I think if the women would stand up and just say, you know what, we are equal, just like you, let's act that way, right? Let's right. act that way. Let's act that way and let's own it and not like overpower, but let's own it, like own it. Like, like, and that really triggered me. And I really had never thought, like, I got treated any differently in the workplace. I really never did. And I always hear about things that I don't watch uh, news, honestly. And, um, you know, I hear about politics and I hear about things going on. But um, in the, the Me Too movement and stuff like that, and, you know, those kind of things. But I just feel like there's a, there's a big stand to be taken and to, to raise those women up that are in that mentality and using it as maybe an excuse or, you know, victimhood or, you know, I, I should get more or because of, you know, you know, repercussions of the past and, you know, we, we deserve more because of that. And it's like, well, we come from here now, like nothing exists but this moment right now. And that's all we can create from. So it's like, let's be powerful together and see each other just as, as one and honor the, the qualities, honor the feminine for what the feminine has, honor the masculine for what the masculine has and, and highlight those, honor them, great. But, you know, better, I mean, it's all, you know, it's an it's a even playing field. So I'd love to see women coming from that even playing field and not feel any less. Right. Because I honestly, I mean, even if I'm in a room of 200 men, like I don't feel different. I'm just going to stand up on stage and I'm going to, I'm going to talk and I'm going to, I'm going to be me. 
right? And so, you know, I'm not gonna be like, oh my gosh, I'm the only woman in the room. I'm gonna be like, yo, what's up guys? And I'll go up there with my dress on, my red dress on, like, you know, I'll do my little little dance, but I will just, you know, so yeah, that's, that's really, um, yeah, that's, I really feel powerful and strong, powerfully strong about that to be able to, to raise that for, for, for women. Yeah, too. I love that. And I totally, totally agree. It's like, we are already the majority. We have so much power within us. And the only reason that we are being held back is if we allow it. And just owning our power, owning our equality, just like, just saying like, this is it. We're not accepting any less. And it's unfortunate that so many women are brainwashed by systems that do want to hold them back. And there are a lot of women that sabotage themselves and sabotage other women because of the conditioning that they have. But there are so many women that are liberated from that. And so many women, so many men that support us in that liberation. Mm. So we're, we, I think, you know, we are on equal playing field. We're not going to go back into the times that we're, we were in, no matter what tries to be done to us. And like, I, I work with men every day that are good men, that love women, that want to nothing more than to see women be empowered. They love empowered women. And so there are a lot of those guys out there that are alongside us, you know? And mm. I totally, totally agree. Like women just owning it is really the key to... Um, to, to all of this, the equality and everything that, you know, we, we fight for. I would love to hear more about your, your film making. Oh, wow. <laughs> so f filmmaking is uh, coming from the, the story with my mom. I always wanted to make a movie of my life. And it started off in a funny way because it was like, you know, no one's ever going to believe me that my mom is doing these things to me. So I have to make a movie about it one day. But then it turned into a healing journey. Mm -hmm. um, you know, weird things where my mom would, you know, my aunt would come over. You don't know because my aunt would come over, knock on the door. It's just an example of something I remember. Hey, you know, Cindy, how are you doing to my mom? And my mom's like, oh, okay, yeah, Tasha's home sick today from school. And she's just yelling at me like, like devil eyes and like, yeah. And then angel and then devil and then angel. And it was like, oh my gosh, like nobody knows this is happening to me. Yeah. Like nobody can see nobody, who's going to believe me. I mean, they hear yeah, her sisters know, you know, it happened in the past, but it's like, okay, so how can I, how can someone believe me? I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to be a filmmaker. And so, um, and probably to growing up with her watching horror movies when we were younger, Twilight Zone, she'd always watch horror movies with me. That was a inspiration to just start creating. And I, uh, my grandfather was a poet and I would just write short stories all the time. Oh, I, I taught myself, here's another thing, the start of filmmaking is I taught myself how to lucid dream. And during the lucid dreaming, and I did that out of survival to have to sleep so I wouldn't get my butt beat. 
Mm. And um, it was a great practice, but every night I would just lay, sit, lay there in the bed. I couldn't fall asleep. It would be hours. I'd be scared. There's something outside because I was just watching Friday the 13th of my mom. And so I'm laying there and I'm like, I would take a flashlight at one point and put it in my eyes for like five minutes until they watered. And then the other eye, I probably would have damaged my eyes at some point. No, I'm not. And they would just water. And then I'd shut them and I'd just stay there. And I'm like, please, just, just gonna go to sleep. Well, finally, I started to develop techniques where I would replay the day in my head. And I'm like, okay, I got up. I can do that better. Okay, brush your teeth. I did that. Okay, we'll just go. And then so I'd replay the whole day in my head as a kid because it was going to get bored after a while. And then all of a sudden at some point after weeks of this crap of hating myself for not being able to fall asleep, I finally like what was laying there. I'm like, oh, it's about to happen. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. About to happen. And then I would just jerk. And then it was kind of, if you've seen the movie Vanilla Sky where Tom Cruise jumps off the building, mm -hmm. it was this moment where like I'm on this building or I'm in this place and then I just jump. And then before I fall asleep, my body moves and I just, I hit, I go into this, this world. And now I'm in this world that I can create. And so I was actually starting to be conscious of it. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. What do I want to do? And then like, I'm talking to myself sleeping, but I'm, but I'm, it's really weird. It's this lucid dream thing and um which i studied a little bit with a friend who does lucid dreaming but i do i'm so much in the creative mind and creating and getting things out my own that i don't take much time out for reading i'll listen to audiobooks but i'll only bring in you know a little bit whatever stays stays you know whatever goes goes i'm not consciously like reading and studying and um so i, I that's life experience but so i'm in this state and i'm creating movies in my head and I'm like, okay, that, I'm going to create movies. Mm. And so that's really where the, the, that was a very long rant, but that's where the filmmaking started. Wow. And so I just kind of made it a, a thing. And, and I've been, been it's, I've been in business with it since 2009, 2008. I've been doing that. Oh, yeah. Wow. wow yeah. Amazing. And so can you tell us about like some of your most exciting films that you've created? Yes, I, I did. So uh, to tell you, I was in the filmmaking for about a decade and I was actually going to go to be a first assistant director. I went to film school and gung ho about it and I'll go into that film thing. But I once answered a, a, an ad on Craigslist for an internet marketing event. I went to it. I didn't know what internet marketing was. I went to the event and I was like, this is a bunch of crap. But one of my big mentors was Les Brown that I had been listening to for like two years in this garage that I lived in every day. And I'm at this event that I just got out of nowhere, internet marketing event, I'm filming and photographing just to get money to kind of survival. And the guy on stage says something about Les Brown. And then afterwards, he was talking about Les and how he was talking to Les on the phone. And I was like, well, Les is your friend. And I just started to connect and get into the internet marketing world. So since 2010, I've been really heavily deep into internet marketing, merging filmmaking and motivational speaking. So now I do short films and documentaries on people for their marketing. And I take cinematic style stories and I do that. Uh, my favorite little film that I've ever done was the first one that I ever made. And it's called In Searching for Hope. Mm -hmm. And the film was made in film class. The teacher, we had about 20 kids in class and the teacher was, was 
teaching us on the PC and teaching us on the Mac. And he said, you can learn this software or you can learn this software, which I'm going to teach everyone. But if you want to learn this software on the Mac, you need to go in the corridors over there where there are two Macs and you have a, 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 a what is it called? Manual this big. So I said, you know what? I opt to go in there and teach myself. So during this time of teaching myself editing, the project is take one song and tell that song with imagery, with your film. There's no dialogue. Take the one song, get a feeling, you know, go film whatever and make that match the song and the feeling with, with your images. And so I, I couldn't just pick one song. I picked about 17 songs. <laughs> I did this story of my brother who gets rejected from everybody in the family and we went around town and we filmed it everywhere. And there's so much sim symbolism in it. I mean, there was Pink Floyd, the Rolling Stones, uh, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, and just, just all these songs that really felt emotion for me. So the project, the way he explained it, like that's how it hit me. And so I would edit this. I spent like 80 hours editing it and I would stay at the college to edit. And I remember sleeping in the room overnight and lying to the police officers like, hi, I'm leaving the room now. You can come lock it. And I'd go hide under the desk and they'd come in, they'd lock it up. Security's gone. I couldn't leave to pee for the night. I'm in there editing this thing. And it, it ended up winning, um, I think it was either first or second place in a, in a, a video, uh, video, what do you call it? a movie film festival in town. But then also this interesting thing is, and this might be a lesson somebody to learn. I showed this film, I showed it during my ENC English, ENC 1103 class. And the teacher loved the movie. She says, oh my gosh, I had somebody walk out of the classroom that started crying. And she walked out at the end because she was like, you know what, this movie touched me and I feel so much regret for the way that I raised my son and the attention I did not give him that this, this really is helping me heal. Well, the teacher took me aside and she says, I want to use this for the thesis project and I want everybody to write their last paper on this. And this isn't every, this is college. Wow. And here's Tasha like, it's not done editing yet. <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you when I'm done editing. Okay, one month, one month, one month. And then here you go, years go by, regrets of like, you know what, that film, because I was so stuck on, I'm not done with the edit yet. And sometimes I even still do this in my business. It's like, oh, but I, but I have to, I want to do more. I want to do more. Like a client will have a budget. And it's like, well, if I know if I just do 20 more hours, it's going to look that much better. And then it's like, sometimes I'll try to sneak it in. I won't sleep for two days. And it's like, you know, I, I got to have that balance for myself. But with that, that was my favorite film. It expressed a lot. There was no dialogue. The teacher gave me a D. He said, it, he said, you didn't do what I told you to do. But uh, I ended up teaching half the class the, the software and they kept, they left him and came in the other room every now and again. And then I, so I just, that was a big stepping stone of, of this personal development kind of uh, filmmaking style with, with deep emotion. And so I take that and all the event training that I have and then incorporate that with, I used to work for a big internet marketing company too. I think we were at 72 million when we got there. And then when they got shut down and they got shut down by the FTC, they were at like 180 something million dollars. So I was there for, for three and a half years and they pretty much tripled. And when I got in the video department, which is, we just, we just tripled. We just kept going. We kept going. Video sales letter, video sales letter, video sales letter. I mean, we, uh, I really saw the inner workings of how to, 
build a multi-million dollar company. Why don't I have one myself? Because I'm so busy serving for other clients. And in this, the Miracle Manifesto, my podcast I'm coming out with, this is kind of giving me that sacred space to actually give myself permission to create something. Because I, I honestly, like, I've never done that before. Wow. And um, I do create and I create for my clients and I create for, for everybody around me. But it's like, what does Tasha really want? What does Tasha want to express? And I always express myself through the filmmaking and I'm, I'm this essence and this, this thing for people. Like when I'm at events, I'll be filming around uh, retreats. I've been at sacred ceremonies and people don't even notice me by, by the second hour because I'm just, even if I'm in your face, you don't even see me because I'm setting my intention and I'm just kind of a chameleon of going around and getting these images and getting the smiles and getting the laughter. And I'm so like in the moment and I'm not me. Like Tasha doesn't exist. Like I, you know, this video that I watch later, I'm going to look at it and be like, yeah, that's Tasha. But that was Tasha then at that moment. Now I'm learning from that Tasha. Mm. And so just being that vessel and um, just, yeah that's all part of the filmmaking and to be able to to take the vision from somebody what they're trying to express and be that creativity vessel to, to really then spread it to the masses is, is really huge for me right now a lot of um people that are, are coming out with with their voice and they want to bring their business to the internet and the people that are afraid to get on camera that's really huge for me to help people express themselves to into the camera and release that fear, release that energy with working with the techniques that I do, some of the, the boot camp techniques that I use to, to really make them feel, you know, their presence and, and their selves and make them feel good in the camera again. So I love reflecting that back to people. And I think it just all meshes together, the marketing, the internet, the, the, the stories, the filmmaking. So I'm really uh, grateful to, to have been able to find that path and, and merge all these things together and just help people bring their, their life to, to a bigger vision and a bigger platform to millions of people. Tasha Cooney, you are incredible and i am so grateful to you. know you and i know this is just the beginning of everything that we are going to create together and i know that there are so many others out there that are going to hear this hear your story and just be really excited to create with you as well and but mostly what I'm excited about, I'm excited about seeing you step into your sovereignty and begin creating for you, a sister. Ooh. Ah, how can they find you? You guys can find me on Facebook and you can type in Tasha Cooney. So that's Facebook.com slash Tasha Cooney, T-A-S-H-A, Cooney C-O-O-N-E-Y. You can also find me on Instagram at T-A-S-H-A-C-O-O-N-E-Y. And then also check out my new book that's releasing in December. That is The Miracle Manifesto. And that's basically the at sign, The Miracle Manifesto. And you can find that on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the hashtags for that. Fantastic. Oh my God, this has been such an amazing uh, talk. Thank you for being here. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.